This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? and his infamous girls. They called them his diamond dogs. BFM 89.9. It is 7.39 and you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin. It is our supercut and it is the supercut that immediately follows Elvis, right? Um, the latest from Baz Luhrmann, as if it could have ever been anybody else who made that film. And that is why today we are celebrating over-the-topness um, in films and television. In other words, just all those on-screen things that are simply too much all the time. And I think um, we would have been hard-pressed to find a better clip to try and encapsulate what it is that we're doing. <laughs> because how many songs were in there? And what was Jim Broadbent doing? And if you watch the clip, how many skirts, how many undergarments, kicking legs, men like... Glitter, glitter lights. lights, mm-hmm. marching... Like, I don't even know. Um, too much is probably not enough for Baz Luhrmann. Um, and yeah. I think like, you know, if you think you've watched Elvis and it felt like it was OTT, you have to watch Moulin Rouge and you'll realise like that was positively low-key and subtle. Isn't that the baseline? Like we have to go for something that feels like a fever dream and then it's and then it's over the top. Because if it doesn't feel like a fever dream and that feels like a real fever, like things that you wake up and you're like, did I actually think that or did that actually happen or was that an, a movie that I actually watched? Um, I think if a movie doesn't do all those things, like all three of those things, can you actually call it over the top or is it just like standard Hollywood blockbuster? So I think that there has to be an element of reveling. Mm. That, 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 that was the thing that um, I was considering, that there has to be an element of like revelry and of diving into the excess of it all and saying, yes, give me the... You have to... Is it Scrooge? No, who am I thinking of? Who's who's the duck? Who dives into the coins? Yeah, That's Scrooge. Scrooge. It's Scrooge, Scrooge right? Yeah. yeah. So there has to be like a Scrooge McDuck quality, right? <laughs> Where it's like, yeah, give me all of it and give me more, except instead of gold coins, it's like girls in skirts, which is now turning an innocent childhood cartoon into something more than what I intended. But um, nevertheless... <laughs> that I, analogy was over the top. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, when else? When else am I going to get to break it out? But I, I do think that that's kind of the, the tone, right, mm. that we're talking about. Because if it's just um, a lack of editing, then it's not purposeful. It has to be It has to be more than that. So I also think it depends what you mean by OTT, right? Because like with Moulin Rouge, it's like an over-the-topness over of, okay, like literally everything, right? Mm, Costumes, mm. aesthetic, songs, what people wear. But then other films might do over-the-top in particular ways, like violence or melodrama or uh, cussing, right? And and everything else about the movie may not necessarily be OTT, but... Again, the sort of leaning in and really making a meal out of the way um, Kikas did with um, Chloe Grace Moretz's character yeah, yeah. And, and sort of the, the, the potty mouth on her. Like they were really going to town with that, right? Um, that for me is OTT without necessarily being OTT in many other ways. So the, the reason I brought up the Hollywood blockbusters because I was thinking about all the things that I saw recently and I realized that all of them are somewhat OTT in their own way. Like they have an over-the-top quality to them. And the, maybe the last normal thing I watched 
was Minari. And even then, we, and, and we were shocked, right? When nothing weird happened in that movie, we were like, what do you mean? It's not a prequel to The Walking Dead? Like, you know, it's like nothing bizarre happens in that movie. Not only nothing bizarre, almost nothing. Almost nothing. <laughs> yeah, a big plot line is that a child doesn't have a disease. A big yeah. plot line yeah. is plants yeah. growing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Plants growing and a child is healthy. That's Minari. <laughs> the townspeople are not in a cult? Like, what are you talking about? Like, So we couldn't, like, it was so weird. Like, we couldn't process that this was a normal movie about normal people doing normal things. Um, and I don't know when's the last time I saw a movie like that. Maybe This Is Us. So that that's a series that that uh, we watched, right? Uh, I, and, and maybe that's the last normal thing that I saw. Otherwise... Oh, yeah. This Is Us is actually, for all that it's sort of heightened, mm. very everyday. Very everyday. So, so I think, right, that OTT could be done in a few different ways. So on the one hand, you have people who are near constantly over the top. Like, mm. I, I don't think, imagine if Baz Luhrmann made Minari. Like, I, I, I just <laughs> imagine the horror of that. Like, like they'd be kicking their way through sexing chickens. Like, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, because he's nearly constantly operating at that level. Everything's mm. very heightened. Um, reality isn't reality. Everything is very fantastical. That's kind of how Baz Luhrmann operates. On the other hand, you've got something like... Um, th- I was thinking actually of Martin Scorsese. And I'm not sure why. I think Baz Luhrmann led me to Great Gatsby, led me to Leonardo DiCaprio, led me to Wolf of Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if you compare and contrast something like Wolf of Wall Street, where, of course, there is an intentional over-the-topness, right? You're trying to show exactly how excessive this person was, uh, exactly how excessive Jordan Belfort wanted his life to be. That makes sense. But you don't apply necessarily that same lens to something like a a taxi driver or even Three Hours Mm. of the Irishman. And then you also have the actors who are known for being over the top, right? I mean, Jim Carrey is an easy example. Mm. But even someone like later years, Al Pacino. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, later years, Nicholas Cage. Or, or really, mid-career onwards, Nicholas Cage. Early Nicholas Cage. I don't know why you're trying to qualify <laughs> Nicholas Cage. And again, just to say, we all love him. We dedicated a whole show to him. Um, but yeah, there are some actors who are just associated with going over the top. Um, and Robin Williams, another example. Um, and I think that then, even though the film they're in may not necessarily be over the top, their over-the-topness then kind of lends the whole thing a, a sort of unreal, surreal quality. Also, I think um, when it comes to either the, the films or the actors who are over the top, right, isn't time like the most important factor, like when you watch these things? Because if you watch it at the wrong time, like it's a busy afternoon, you're going to hate that movie. Mm. Uh, it can co- it can go to a point where it becomes annoying or frustrating or just way too overwhelming. And I think if you watch an over the top movie at the wrong time, when you are not in that, that mental space, you'll end up hating that movie. Like you'll never be able to watch it again and enjoy it. Um, I can't think of. I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Cloud Atlas. Uh, <laughs> okay, oh, okay. We've arrived no. here too soon. No, no. Uh, okay, no, not now. <laughs> I'm not ready. Just I, to say, Lynn loves Cloud Atlas. I, Both I, of us are more mixed. I love Cloud Atlas, but I don't know how much of that has to do with the book. Um, but I will just say that I I'm ready as and when required to launch into an impassioned defense of Cloud Atlas. So, of the Wachowskis. Yeah. Uh, now's not that time. Go on. <laughs> no, I was just saying, like, so that is, uh, I think I watched that movie at the wrong time to a point that I've I've not finished it. It got interrupted midway and I've never gone back. It was just way too much for me. I'm like, this is too much all the time and I'm never, ever, ever revisiting this. So I went into it knowing that's what it was going to be. And therefore, mm. I actually really quite enjoyed it. I find it flawed. Some some parts and some makeup is just awful. But overall, I really quite enjoyed the scope and the craziness of Cloud Atlas. Okay, mm. fine. Now's the time. So <laughs> I think that um, with the complexity of the story that Cloud Atlas was trying to tell, mm. with the fact that they were reusing actors with um, dinky accents and you know, um, quest- questionable prosthetics... I- I think the scope of the story is actually a really good point because I was coming at it from being a diehard fan of the novel. Like, I will hear nothing said about David Mitchell. I will hear nothing said about Cloud Atlas, the book. And because of that, I was ready. And therefore, I was also ready for Tom Hanks playing a prehistoric Hawaiian. (laughs) Am am I getting that right? It's something Mm -hmm. to that effect. Um, Looking very much like uh, he did in Elvis, actually. actually. Yes, yes, that is true. And doing a similar accent, (laughs) some might suggest. Um, But yeah, I think that 
I because I was ready for it, it was something that I I could dive into. I felt that the over the topness only enhanced the uh, to quote Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder emotionality of it all, <laughs> and and I was very ready. Um, but my the analogy I was going to say about this idea of how you enter a film, uh, especially one that is going to have this sort of aesthetic or approach, is it's like going to a theme park when you're in a bad mood. Mm. Yes. yes. Right? You, yep, you have 100%. to be you have to be party ready when you yeah. when you feel like mm. being alone or in a bad mood. Yeah, you have to be ready and willing to be somewhat exploratory and and have fun with that. And I think in this sense you are what you bring to it, but I also think that actually some over-the-top movies just aren't for people. And that's something that we can get into later. But anyway, we're talking today about films and shows that just do too much all the time, but and that are nonetheless quite enjoyable. Um, in other words, our favourite over-the-top films and shows. We'd like to hear from you. I know it's a bit of a loose one, but are there shows or films that you watch that you were just like, this is too much, but I kind of like it? If there are, send them our way. You can WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So um, we spoke earlier about Baz Luhrmann. Another director who just does a lot nearly constantly is, of course, Tim Burton. Um, and we have a little bit of a sample of that. Here we go. Did you steal them? No, Your Majesty. Did you? No, Your Majesty. Did you steal them? No, Your Majesty. Did you steal my dogs? No, Your Majesty. Almost as much as I love caviar. Yes, Your Majesty. Twink. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Choose your next words carefully, Leonidas. They may be your last as king. Madman. For a madman. Earth and water. Well, you'll find plenty of both down there. No man. Persian or Greek, no man threatens a messenger. You bring the crowns and heads of conquered kings to my city steps. You insult my queen. You threaten my people with slavery and death. Oh, I've chosen my words carefully, Persian. Perhaps you should have done the same. This is blasphemy. This is madness. Madness. This is Sparta! Blood, gore, <laughs> black and white. <laughs> Men in tiny shorts. Men in tiny shorts. Hello, everybody. It is 7.52. You are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Shamalan Arvin. And uh, in case our... Very noisy, very busy clips so far. Haven't tipped you off. We are talking about over-the-topness on screen. Um, and we want to hear from you. What are some of your favourite films and shows that just do way too much, but that are nonetheless quite enjoyable and that you want to recommend? Um, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Zack Snyder. Discuss. You know, Zack Snyder is an interesting one in the context of over-the-top because... I don't know whether everyone thinks of him in that category, but 300 is definitely over the top. Sucker Punch is crazy over the top. And then he's got something like the DC movies, which are like devoid of anything and everything. And the only thing over the top is violence. Hmm. So it's odd, right? I actually kind of wish he'd stuck to that original OTT aesthetic, even though not everything he's done is super successful. 
same. Um, I think I like 50% of him being over the top. I think it doesn't work when he came into the DC universe. But, but, but I think he's one of those people who has made over the top his default setting. I don't think he can make like dramas or like smaller movies, slower movies. Everything he does has to have an element of loudness and noise and overacting. And it's some big concept thing like zombies or, you know, everything he touches needs to be big and bombastic. And I think that's just, um, that's just a setting that he's on. That's just the way he's wired. I love him for it, by the way. Like, I love 300. I've seen that. I've seen that clip maybe a hundred times. And I'm not even exaggerating. I love, love the clip because of that excess. It doesn't make any sense, but it's so... Um, he knows how to do it. He knows how to fuel it in such a way that, it, that it's so... It's so extravagant. <laughs> what an author. <laughs> How wonderful that we what a we, filmmaker. Yeah. How wonderful that we've hit the Zack Snyder part of our show. Look, um, can I just say, as often happens on mm. our show, I agree with both of you in your entirety, except for the part about enjoyment. So um, I, I think all those things are true. I think Zack Snyder um, consistently goes over the top, right? Like he commits to the, um, to he commits to depressive palettes, he commits to mm. blood and spatter. Depressive he, palettes. <laughs> he commits to um, just people mumbling. Like, like he, slow-mo. Slow-mo. Mm. Oh my goodness, I forgot about the slow-mo. Yeah. Um, he, like it's not enough to have zombies in Vegas, like you also have to add a larger threat. A You've tiger. got a tiger, <laughs> and then we return to the world. I, I agree with all of it, and I'm not sure. So, I'm not sure why I don't enjoy it. Um, have you never enjoyed it? Like even way back in three. I know you don't like Watchmen, but three hundred. Oh. Uh, no. So, huh. so that's the thing, and and this makes me feel like the killjoy that I felt Arvin frankly was about. <laughs> <laughs> about Cloud Atlas, um, in the sense that I'm actually not sure, not sure why, and I don't know whether that has to do with a lack of engagement with the story. I mean, I have a well documented appreciation of trash, so I'm really not sure why it is that um, the sometimes B movie quality of the storylines in Zack Snyder's movies don't appeal to me. They should. They really should. I think B quality is being kind. Like there is no story <laughs> in his storylines because he's all visuals, right? So the, the reason I like Zack Snyder is because he's all visuals, and I think if you start paying attention to how the plot moves or is there any momentum, there is three hundred is nothing. It's two hours of shouting, screaming, and violence, and just very stylistic slow mo and gore. So if I may offer a theory, <laughs> I wonder whether it's because Zack Snyder takes OTTness too seriously. He doesn't realize mm, that mm. this isn't high art. That, in fact, he's actually putting a zombie tiger on screen or, you know, um, a Persian warlord who is clearly not Persian nor a warlord, but just, you know, Rodrigo Santoro in bad makeup. Sorry, personal bugbear. But, <laughs> and um, 10 feet tall. And 10 feet tall. Uh, no, but, but, you know, the thing with Baz Luhrmann is that he looks like he's having fun. Tim Burton looks like he's just embodying the weirdness that's in his soul on his projects. Zack Snyder, though, feels like... I feel like he's not, he doesn't quite understand that these things are meant to be kind of big, dumb fun. And maybe mm. that's what it is. No, that, that's so true, though, because uh, like Jim Carrey is always mm. over the top. Like he's also made that his default setting right? Um, in most movies. And I think if you, if you can't take a Ace Ventura seriously, like you have to, you have to, to approach it like a Jim Carrey. Um, and you're right. I don't, I don't think Zack Snyder does that for any of his movies. Like he thinks all of his movies are like Oscar winning. You know, people are not evolved enough to understand them. And it's yet. always the cut that's the problem, and not the film. It's not the studio. It's just that he didn't get to release his five and a half hour cut, and that's the that's the biggest issue. You, you no, it's, it's completely. But again, the visuals are amazing. Uh, for me, the visual work and his way of like putting that on screen. I don't think anyone has that touched like no one can be a Zack Snyder as proven by the sequel to 300 that looks nothing like 300 and mm, someone else yes. did that mm. I actually love 300 and yes I hated the sequel so yes I think there may be more than one Zack Snyder fan occasionally here I will try I guess is what I'm saying I, I don't know I feel like I'm being boxed in I, I know neither of you are forcing me but it kind of feels like you are I don't like know for a 300 throwback I, is I, that where we're heading yeah. I was just going to say, if you're boxed in, 300 Spartans, what they did was you approach the hot <laughs> gates. You know, there's a strategy that you can you can apply. Okay, I guess I just need to learn it. Um, look, we have a clip coming up 
that uh, speaks to, or rather a message that we got also speaks to. So um, ZR Gan says, everything, everywhere, all at once, the definition of too much, but also so freaking good. Please watch it. That's all caps, by the way. Uh, my personal favourite movie thus far, Topping Edgar Wright's epic that is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. The Daniels are maestros, an epic masterpiece that captures the Asian coming-of-age experience so well, all wrapped up in a chaotic masterpiece. It's over the, over the top to the max, but done so well. Also, Michelle freaking yo Ugh. Um, followed by Army of Thieves was, and again, caps, so bad. Um, 300 was his best period. So uh, a number of points being brought up. All great points. Um, all great points. I, I will I will just say that Everything Everywhere All at Once is a great example of, I think, mm-hmm. a very recent movie that not just leaned into the over-the-top, but literally made it its title, its ethos, mm. everything. So good that it overshadowed Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. As the better multiverse movie. Yes. Because of how over the top it yeah. was. It really is marvellous. If you haven't seen it, it's it's is everything everywhere all at once. Um, but let us know. We're talking today about over the top on screen. So we'd like to hear from you. Uh, what are some of your favourite films and shows? Shows are rarer, which we can get into later. But um, what are some of your favourite films and shows that just do too much, but that you really enjoy? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You're only using the other words that acquire special skills, do you understand? If you fall for the temptations, you invite contradiction, chaos. The clay pot could shatter and you could die. Enough of your clay pots, cream cheese, no cows. Explain it all to me now. In the Alphaverse, we began training many young minds to verse jump. But there was one who was far and above the most gifted. Our little explorer. You saw her potential, so you pushed her beyond her limit. Warning. Unstable. Those overloaded mind usually dies. Instead, her mind was fractured. And now, her mind experiences every world, every possibility, at the same exact time, commanding the infinite knowledge and power of the multiverse. Now she's seen too much, lost any sense of morality, any belief in objective truth. What does she want? No one knows. All we know is she's looking for you. Best Flipping Moments. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. See, people love that cosy feeling that Soup's given. Some golden swoop out of the sky, save the day, so you don't go to do it yourself. But if you knew how shit they get up to... Homeland is the exception. He doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. Man's a saint. But the rest of them, yeah. Pardon my French. BFM 89.9, it's 8.09 and you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin and together we're talking about over-the-topness on screen. In other words, uh, shows and films that just do too much. They sound too much, they cite too much, they act too much. It's just a lot. And um, we want to hear from you. What are some of your, your favourites that fall into this category where it's just too much of a muchness but you kind of love it. Um, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. And of course, um, that was a clip of The Boys, which Balin uh, WhatsApped in to bring up. So The Boys is probably the most OTT superhero film or TV show you might find, except maybe I already mentioned Kick-Ass. Um, and probably for much of the same reason. It's the over-the-top violence, the over-the-top bad language, um, even the plot point. It's almost like a crazy soap opera, but with superhero characters. And everyone mm. is uh, dialing their performance up to like 300. <laughs> 300. <laughs> um, and Carl Urban, who whom we just heard, is probably the linchpin of all of this. That man can do like subtle to the point of like facial muscles not even moving. And then here you have just like all out madness. And I think I love him in both modes. So I wasn't sure why I didn't like the boys for the longest time. And I think um, I just realized that it's because of the OTT-ness of the show. Um, everything they try to do, right, they they want to be overly violent or gory or 
they, the the show tries so hard to be the opposite or the reverse of the superhero trope. Um, and I think I don't like that because I'm like, you are just trying too hard. And I stopped at season one. Um, I couldn't continue season two. I have no intention of watching season three. And it's for that that reason, because it takes itself so seriously like a Zack Snyder thing without being Zack Snyder, but in a Zack Snyder way of of trying to drive his message home. Like, look, this is what would happen if superheroes lived in the real world. And this is what would happen if a corporation owned superheroes. I don't know if I like that. And I and I think I would have liked it more if it was more dialed down, if it wasn't as OTT. So I, um, The Boys falls into my category of there's actually just too much television to watch. Um, but I'm really glad that it's been brought up, partly because it gives us an entryway to talk about TV. And more specifically, why it is that most of the things that come to mind, probably, uh, judging from the messages as well, most of the messages that are coming in are going to be about a film rather than television. And I think a lot of that comes down to how expensive it is to make TV because you have budgets um, that need to spread out over 6, 10, 20 episodes and you need to make that work. And the truth of the matter, I think, is that most of the time going over the top is expensive. Um, Music rights cost so much. Special effects cost so much. Um, getting that star-studded cast, cast, it all goes up, right? And because of that, it's kind of rare to... It's kind of rare previously to have TV shows that fall into this category. But now, in the age of streaming and with streaming studios throwing everything they've got um, at the wall, we're seeing things change a bit. I think also it's difficult to keep up that dialed up to a certain level, not going over episodes and episodes and seasons Hence and seasons. the boys. Yes. So, mm. to be fair, I actually deeply enjoy the boys and I feel like they're just... Um, making fun of the whole genre and perhaps yep. going at it with that makes me makes it more fun for me. But I'm just thinking that with TV, like, could we watch a Moulin Rouge style thing for like three seasons? I don't think so. It would be exhausting. Watching that every week on end on end would be a lot. So I'm thinking like the way, the only way to do that would be to go slightly indie, but be over the top. So something like a Fleabag. Fleabag is kind of over the top in mm. its um, in its sort of like raunchy comedy or even in, in its approach, right? So it is kind of sitcom-ish, but it's also not a sitcom at all. So it's a comedy, but it, it's so different. Like you can't find another Fleabag. And I'm thinking maybe that's the way to do it for TV instead of trying to pump it with the budget and the big blockbuster feel and the expensive actors. Something like that would work, no? It would. Um, of course, the other thing you could do is Bridgerton, which is, <laughs> mm. um, you know, it starts from a place of already being over the top because it's like overwrought romance. Um, it's kind of stuffed to the gills with characters and storylines. So you're starting from there. And then after that, you add the clothes and the makeup and the overhead shots of ballrooms and the promenading and, you know, just all the rest of it. And um, also the, the cover versions of songs that we know. My, my point being that something like Bridgerton is, it it's kind of, in between two stools, right, of the things that we're talking about between a flea bag and a The Boys. I think something like Bridgerton actually extends quite nicely into a lot of other shows that use an existing over-the-top setting, which means that they can lean into like the aesthetic and, and even um, the way people behave in a heightened way, right? Um, Tudors was another one mm. that came to mm -hmm. mind. Um, the, the rampant sort of sleeping around and the costumes and people always like yelling at each other. Um, or even uh, something like, uh, what was that Jude Law one? The New Pope? Mm -hmm. which yep. just has this like young pope young pope yes <laughs> the new pope the fresh one <laughs> the young pope the fresh pope of vatican city <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i watched that you're show. really on a roll today <laughs> sorry yeah? um but i think that because the setting is already at this sort of like lush luxurious over the top level um you're kind of okay to accept everything else but the game of thrones is not over the top because a Game of Thrones, you would expect them to be the way they are, right? Because it's not campy, no? So that's the thing. I was ah. going to say The Crown. Because yes. um, if you're going mm. to talk about the Tudors, then the, the logical comparison would be to modern day versions of... Actually, they're not related, but you know what I mean. Um, the modern day version <laughs> of that, which is The Crown, which is so expensive. Like, so, so, so expensive. Um, and yet, and looks it, but isn't over the top, is, if anything, purposely understated. Yes, the stiff upper lip and the pouring of the tea. and It's five minutes and then somebody goes, 
she wasn't quite right. <laughs> and you're like, okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that um, maybe campiness is actually a, an important part because Bridgerton's definitely, Bridgerton definitely veers campy. Tudors has its campy moments. Um, maybe on TV, that's what works. Or the other thing I'm thinking of is soap operas because soap mm. operas are like super over the top. So if it's um, so, just sticking with TV and uh, the boys, since we're talking about the boys, do, does superhero TV or superhero movies sort of normalize over the top? Because they are over the top, like it's baked mm. into the design. Like nothing is normal, nothing is you know ordinary. But it's everyone watching a superhero movie expects it to have powers and colors and lights and the the spark show, whatever it is. So if they don't go over the top, then it's abnormal. But they can go however crazy they want and you'd be like, yeah, it's a, it's a superhero thing. You know, well, what do you expect them to do? But by definition, like that genre is always OTT, you know? So you said when we discussed the show, because um, I, t- I asked whether stuff like Xena, Warrior Princess or Hercules is considered OTT. Mm. And you said, no, but that's just the genre, isn't it? Um, and, and I wonder whether with superheroes... They were superheroes, not going for yeah. OTT, yeah. So, the, so that perhaps with different genres as a baseline expectation and as long as... so. I would think like a Taika Waititi approach to Thor um, crosses the OTT bar. Yes. Where else like everything else is kind of, it's superheroes, but everyone does it this way anyway. Uh, Thor is cool because, um, of course, Love and Thunder is coming out soon, but also because you take the approach of Kenneth Branagh with Thor versus Taika Waititi with Thor, and it's very different. On the other hand, I would say Death on the Nile was OTT. Same director. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Um, Mm. And again, the same because of the setting and the way it just kind of almost like exoticizes and heightens everything. I mean, that dance sequence (laughs) that that exists in Death on the Nile that almost opens the show, right? That more or less tells us where it is that they're heading, no? I mean, the the moustache alone... (laughs) Like just just being normal in that space. I mean, the way they dress, the way they look, the way they talk, uh, even the whole the whole aspect of the murder mystery, the crime, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it's like 100% over the top. He is over the top, very over the top. Yeah, and yet not necessarily in the space of Thor. So to go back mm. to the, the superhero thing, I also wanted to return to our um, <clears throat> mild lambasting of Doctor Strange. Um, <laughs> because actually Gunn is back to say, yeah, Gan, the person who loved everything everywhere all at once, uh, is back to say a couple of things. So Zack Snyder is a moments guy. 300 was fine, but all his other stuff, the moments weren't deserved. There's no emotional buildup. The payoffs don't feel deserved. Another Michael Bay, someone that we're going to talk about later as well. Um, but then uh, back to Caps. Yes, everything everywhere all at once is the better multiverse movie. And I think that um, that's, that's something that speaks to the superhero question. Because um, if superhero films are by their nature OTT, then why was this one overtaken by what is essentially an indie? Oh, I think because we wanted it to go way more OTT. And mm. we, wanted it, we wanted it to do way more than it was already doing. So I think that that's a whole, that's a, that's a separate conversation about, there have been so many MCU movies, like there's almost 30 or something now, right? So after a point, people just want escalation, right? Like we want more and more and more from the things that we're getting. And if we don't get that, then we see them as either boring or normal or not doing enough. I don't think Doctor Strange was an OTT, like a, as a movie, if like, if you haven't seen any other MCU film and you went straight to Doctor Strange, it's a very over-the-top movie. You're like, what is going on here? Sam Raimi and stuff. But in the context of the MCU, it's it's normal. Like, it doesn't do as much as the other movies do. And deeply ironic because Sam Raimi is a very OTT filmmaker. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, his his other films are, are, you know, and in fact, he brings some of that aesthetic to Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. But yeah, I think it was the expectations and what we all ended up getting that kind of scuppered it for for most people. Yeah. All that and also the problem of having to fit into a large studio system, mm. right? Which is which is a different thing because um, you accept outliers when they're made by, I guess, people that are considered at the moment genius types and that's where like a taika comes in right where people are like yeah but that's just him and you know you can count on him or you can bet on him at the box office in a way that maybe people don't feel um with other mcu films i'm not sure also right um when thor um love and thunder my god what's the previous one called ragnarok ragnarok came out um people had no expectations because Mm. the thor movie before that was 
frankly one of the worst of the lot and then suddenly immigrant song moments yeah exactly <laughs> so so people didn't have those kind of expectations where else they built up multiverse of madness so much that you were expecting it to be the everything everywhere all at once of the MCU you know by that logic um everything everywhere all at once shouldn't have been an OTT movie like people shouldn't have been surprised because A24 is another one of those studios like every movie they put out is weirdly OTT like you don't mm, know what to expect including your favorite macbeth Including yes. that, yeah, yes, yeah, 100%. highly OTT yeah. with everything. So the fact that everything, everywhere, all at once, did what it did, and people were shocked. Either I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say like maybe not enough people watch all the other A twenty four. So this was the one that got to the mainstream, which it did. Or it's just able to produce that that shock value and that that surprise factor again and again. By the way, A twenty four being uh, OTT is important to say because they do it weirdly and slowly. Yes. Very slowly. Right? The opposite of Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, but that's how they do it. It's always really strange. It's like suddenly, suddenly, I'm thinking of Green Knight, actually. And, and how... Oh, I was thinking of The Lobster. Yeah, I'm thinking the, of Lighthouse. See? <laughs> there are so many examples and they are all incredibly over the top. Um, Lo simply says, I loved 300. So a lot of... Um, oh, we are headed down this path, aren't we? We're going to have <laughs> to come back. Universe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Ezekiel uh, said over the top movies hmm Starship Troopers the first don't even mention the sequels Starship Troopers is a great shout um, it's so it's so bad it's such bad schlocky sci-fi that's also such good such good fun to watch yeah th- that's one of those movies that I watched at the wrong time in the afternoon <laughs> and then I just I can never watch it again it's just a, it's just a bad experience for me um, we have Kieran who says Jupiter Ascending the best thing is how the film shows that everyone who worked on it believed in it in spite of how extra it is love it I feel like this is just another opportunity for you to talk about Cloud Atlas and the Wachowskis. <laughs> um, I'm not interested because there are bees and dogs and stuff in Jupiter Ascending to discuss. Like, let's give it its own shine, everybody. I think um, the performance of Eddie Redmayne in Jupiter Ascending alone, <laughs> yes, that alone yeah. wins it the OTT award. I completely, wait, how are the Wachowskis connected to Jupiter Ascending? I completely forgot that they were even like... It's their fault. They no? made it, dude. They directed Jupiter <laughs> Ascending? Yes. Oh my god. You're making me question myself, but yes, I'm very sure they did. No, they made it. This this was part of their um, journey to the West approach after the Matrix when they were just doing stuff. So I love Speed Racer. I love Speed Racer as a movie. Uh, I know that movie doesn't get enough shine. And the people who made Speed Racer should have been able to make a good Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> I can't get through that movie either. Like, it's, I don't know if it's Channing Tatum's like goatee or, or whatever he's trying to pull off. But that movie is just, it's a weird, weird one. So I watched Jupiter Ascending for no reason. Uh, oh, sorry. That's, that's the perfect way. Yeah, were yeah. we expecting more wisdom? Because, yeah, because, because I, was I, was say, I watched it out of an abiding love for the Wachowskis that mm. was slowly chipped away. Right. So I... I actually don't have an inherent Wachowski loyalty. Uh, what I have is um, intense enjoyment of their weirdest stuff. And so with Jupiter Ascending, I had already heard a lot about the um, the the bee stuff and the, the queen of the universe stuff and Eddie Redmayne and mm-hmm. just, just all of that. Um, and so I went in ready for high camp and they gave it to me. So I was satisfied. But it's high camp in a weirdly unfun way, you know? And yeah, I, think, I, I totally get it. That's part yeah. of what makes it funny. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because they were not going for it. Yes. Yeah. It's unintentional. There are so many ways to enjoy films, you guys. This is why our show continues to chug along. Um, Lokman says, my favourite. I'm so glad someone brought this up. Every week we need to talk about this a little bit. Tropic Thunder, star-studded <laughs> movie at their silliest. Those opening fake trailers alone. Like, I would live and die for those. Al Pacino <laughs> is a character yep. in this film. I mean, Tom Cruise alone. Yeah. As an element. Yes. Is over the top in that movie. <laughs> the way Steve Coogan's story arc goes is enough, you know, to, mm-hmm. to send this over the top. Um, we're talking today, of course, about things that just go OTT. Um, stuff films and shows that do too much and yet are somehow still really enjoyable. Uh, we want to hear what some of your favourites are. You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. And you know, while we're talking about high art, low art, art in general, um, Darren Aronofsky is a director who takes himself very seriously, mm-hmm. famously, uh, and who also goes very intensely over the top. Here's one good example, Black Swan. Feel my touch, respond to it. Something's hard for teacher. I don't want to talk about that. You really need to relax. 
It's the role, isn't it? It's all this pressure. I knew it'd be too much. I knew it. What's she doing here? He made me your alternate. The only person standing in your way is you. How do you know where I live? I have my ways. She's after me. Nobody's after you. Please believe me. Sweet girl. Sweet girl. What happened to my sweet girl? She's gone! Brainy, fancy material. BFM 89.9. Multiple bogeys, multiple bogeys. Sector 5, Niner. I have three, now five unidentified tracks. My screen's full. Multiple tracks headed towards the Atlantic seaboard. This could be a surprise missile attack. Mr. President, the shuttle Atlantis just exploded in space. Uh, Walt, get him going. Let's go, STI. This is Flight Director. I want to get that Hubble moving, and I want it now. Roger that. We're moving to Hubble. Enormous. What is this thing? It's an asteroid, sir. How big are we talking? Sir, our best estimate is 97.6 billion. It's the size of Texas, Mr. President. Y yes, sir. Dan, we didn't see this thing coming. Well, our object collision budget's a million dollars. That allows us to track about 3% of the sky. And begging your pardon, sir, but it's a big ass sky. What kind of damage are we? Damage? Total, sir. It's what we call a global killer. The end of mankind. Doesn't matter where it hits, nothing would survive, not even bacteria. My God. What do we do? I don't know. <laughs> There's no answer, except the one that they come up with in Armageddon. Hello, everybody. Um, it is 8.28. You are, of course, listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin. And today we're talking about going over the top on screen. Um, in other words, the, the shows, the films that just do too much, but that we nonetheless enjoy. Uh, we'd like to hear what some of your favourites are. You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. I guess we have now come to the um, Bay Emmerich part of the show. Oh, Emmerich, I completely Emmerich. forgot about Yeah, <laughs> Come yep, on. Yep, yep. So... Disaster movies are almost by default ripe for being over the top, right? So it depends because Moonfall <laughs> is a made-up disaster. Like, like it's one thing to to say to to do something where it's conceivable. Uh, it's another thing to geostorm it or <laughs> to to Moonfall it, where it's actually entirely like you're just you're just coming up with creative ways to destroy the world. It's not just like an earthquake. What are those movies about? The titles are so vague. What is Geostorm or Moonfall about? What could it be about, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, vague. the subtlety in these stories. Yeah, it's an art. It's an art. Um, just the, the clip that we just played, um, for anyone who's forgotten Armageddon, that's the opening of the movie. So something explodes in space, a uh, ship, they get in touch with the Pentagon. Uh, it's, a, it's a call with the president, I think, or someone in, in a high place. Um, and then Armageddon begins. And this is the first five minutes of the movie. They haven't even begun to gather people to, what, drill the, the asteroid? Asteroid, asteroid. asteroid and land there and mm. then uh, detonate it with dynamite or bomb with Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck. So... That, that's the yeah. That's the movie. That's like, like the, this that's is where the point go. at which it begins. This and is then how it, it can starts. only go higher. But yeah. has there already been a very orange sunset or rise? Hundred percent. Right. It starts <laughs> at, with the yeah. <laughs> at this point, we've we've already gotten there. Michael Bay is. Um, what else can we say about Michael Bay? We've, we've talked about him a few times now, but I think that. Um, his approach to going over the top also sets certain expectations because you expect Armageddon in everything. And then hmm. you get, is ambulance? it ambulance? <laughs> yeah. And then that you was get, what I was thinking of. No, but really, you get ambulance, which has all the hallmarks of uh, and all the, the bayisms that you could want, and yet somehow just doesn't go that extra push, right? And, and it's hard in those instances to quantify exactly why. Jake Gyllenhaal goes that extra mile. He is yeah, the yeah, dynamite yeah, yeah, yeah. in yes. the asteroid. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and actually, right, like that opens up a question about filmmakers and expectations because at this point, can Baz Luhrmann or a Michael Bay make an understated film and, and not disappoint people, right? Because they wouldn't even get funding for it, I mm. think. 
Because, I mean, what are you expecting when you, when you go to watch these films? Because we forget that, like, Bas Lerman started with Strictly Ballroom, which, sure, has its sort of excesses, but it's actually quite a grounded film. It's mm. not Romeo and Juliet or Moulin Rouge. Um, but now... Every film that he's made since then, uh, even something like Great oh, Great Gatsby is very OTT, uh, even something like Elvis, right? They're all of these flourishes. And, and I say this as someone who's actually a really big fan of Baz Luhrmann. Um, I don't know whether he can do a Strictly Ballroom anymore. But isn't the difference that uh, a Baz Luhrmann um, isn't a parody of himself yet, like a Michael Bay? Because Michael Bay is, mm. like, you know, you can love his films and you can enjoy his movies, but he is a sort of parody of his older movies. And he knows that. Like, I don't know if he knows that, but he, he, <laughs> he references his older stuff in his newer stuff. He mm. does it all the time. Um, and to a point where he's made so many Transformers that people are just like, oh, he's going to make another one and it's going to be the same thing and it's going to be the same old, same old. But ha, he makes it an ambulance. And then he makes an ambulance. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how much they can keep doing it before they turn into sort of like a, a ha-ha thing that people just expect them to to clown their own work. Um, and I don't know where that, that line is because Buzz Lerman is obviously not there. Tim Burton's crossed it, Gun. Yes, Tim Burton long has ago, crossed it. Long um, ago. Okay. So when we reviewed Ambulance, we spoke about um, issues of quality in the film that, that exists like above and beyond whether or not you think the film is good. Hmm. Um, I'm thinking of the, the relative cheapness of how things look, like even the explosions aren't as big as... I mean, it's a pandemic film, uh, but the explosions aren't as big as they used to be. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal at one point is visibly not him. Uh, you know, and, and I think that it's when those quality corners get cut, as opposed to a Baz Luhrmann holding up in Graceland to the, Graceland to the point that they gave him a room in which to to sit and research. Mm. Um, so I think the difference is actually in, in quality. And I think that it's actually quite discernible. Like when you look at Dumbo and Alice in Wonderland versus a... Um, a Big Fish or a Sweeney Todd. Like, like the difference in quality, despite it being by the same filmmaker, is is easy to see. And I think that that is when you know they've they've crossed that parody line. I think quality, and, and, and this is a little bit less quantifiable maybe, um, commitment. Like I almost feel like sometimes you can you can feel Tim Burton phoning it in or you can almost feel like he thinks it's enough to throw in a bunch of Burtonisms. The same way there are these like Michael Bayisms and then he just throws them in. Now, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think that's where Zack Snyder, despite whether despite the fact that I don't enjoy many of his latest films, never pulls back on that. You never see a lack of commitment to that vision. That is so true. Like he, like, he goes, like he goes all in, right? Whether yes. for better or worse, he goes all in and then um, people just hate his movies after that <laughs> because, because of that. Um, I was actually thinking about, we've spoken about him so much these last few weeks, but Tom Cruise is exactly that. Like, like mm. Top Gun is the best Michael Bay film that he didn't make. Because if, if it's, a, it's a Bruckheimer thing and it has mm. all the shots, it has the people in uniform, it has the military, it's, it's the best film that Michael Bay never got to make. And that's Top Gun because of that commitment, I think, and because of Tom Cruise. I mean, Tom Cruise shows the same level of commitment in A Tropic Thunder as he does in Mission mm -hmm. Impossible, mm -hmm. as he does in Top Gun. And I think um, that that kind of commitment and commitment to quality, I know I'm returning to that, is is part of what what sets them apart. I agree that Zack Snyder also has that. Um, okay, so we we have lots of messages coming through. Um, Bhavan says, anything Michael Bay's OTT. Uh, Lok says, Mike Bay's Transformers 1 was great. I can't say the same for the sequels. Oh, I love the first Transformers. So much fun. There's like Transformers 1 and then it's everything else. Yeah. It's like Transformers 2, 3, 4, And they all blur into like, I can't remember what's from which film. Moon yeah. something, this something, mm -hmm. destruction something. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It starts to blur. Um, I'm Here says one superhero OTT example I would love to share is Harley Quinn the HBO series not the films uh, you get to see over the top gore characters that laugh at their own stereotypes and are still self-aware to give you real life moral lessons um, the cherry on top of being OTT was uh, the Joker comically popping out of another person in the opening scene in episode one I've never watched the series and I really want to I love Harley Quinn as a character who in herself is a really over the top character it's an amazing show it's such a good uh, funny show but also uh, that made me think of Deadpool superhero genre yeah goes way OTT and does it well does it so well mm. I was thinking of Peacemaker 
Mm. Um, occupying the same sort of cinematic universe, of course, but also, yeah, like super, super over the top. Um, and in all the ways in which we've discussed, in other words, uh, violence, cussing, um, even sex, you know, it just kind of does a lot all the time. And campiness, super campy. Very, very campy. In a way that I didn't think John Cena had in him. So that's quite interesting. Um, I love him in the show. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think it uh, that's because of who said self-awareness just now? Uh, I'm here, did. Yeah, and it's because he has that self-awareness, right? Of, the, of what you are likely to think of him and how that then feeds into his character, which is fun. Um, Rowan says, I think we're due to cover Tropic Thunder. Super enjoyable. <laughs> Just wait. Now it's going to be back and forth between Tropic Thunder and 300, which we throw back to. Um, I also count Austin Powers and anything by Tim Burton. Uh, Zack Snyder is very lubby. Shout out to Everything Everywhere all at once because it was mind-boggling. Yeah, all great shouts. Um, I think we've talked extensively about all of those. Oh, maybe not Austin Powers, which actually is um, a great example of just like taking a, the spy genre and just going to town with it. Also comedy. Um, so we spoke about this off air. Um, this is the end is a good over the top comedy. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen that, it's a good movie. So I agree. Um, and, and I watched it fairly recently. And here's the thing, right? It is over the top, but the way it does it is quite interesting because it's kind of weirdly low budget and it's low budget on purpose, right? The effects look a certain way. Really, half the time they're in a room um, while going like, oh, oh, they're things. And you're like, all right, sure. Sure, Craig Robinson. Um, and so, but it's interesting the way in which they lift the mood because they start very big. The, the set piece um, that, you know, denotes the end uh, is really huge. But then after that, the way that they ramp up the energy is by like, introducing conflict, introducing mm. characters. And I think that's a good lesson in how to go OTT on a low budget. That's actually really true. Well, see, I'm not thinking of low budget, but I'm thinking of settings that you may not expect to go in that direction. And Cabin in the Woods came to mind. Mm. Um, oh, because again, thing, yeah. it's, a, it's a genre or a setting that is a very specific thing, um, but then ends up becoming OTT in a completely different way that nobody sees coming. Because you think it's going to be a slasher thing, um, yeah. and it and it uses that um, expectation, right? You think it's going to be like eighty slasher, and then it just pivots. We shouldn't say how it pivots because it's it's fun to find out how yeah. that movie pivots. Ming says the tick. Oh, that's a Ooh, great nice. shout! Yeah, nice. actually, lots of now that we're talking about it, lots of superhero films that kind of tow that line into OTTness. Again, I don't think stuff... Um, it, it's it's telling that a lot of the things that are coming through are from HBO, Amazon, Netflix, mm. because these are the people who have that streaming budget, that sweet, sweet streaming budget um, that the networks would not necessarily have committed, I think, in the past. Um, all right. Legion um, says, Asian drama, especially the Taiwanese, or, ooh, specific shout, um, are notorious for overly dramatic and long scenes. If you ask anyone forced to watch these series, they'll tell you how they had to sit through a painfully long, flowery conversation where the female lead was crying buckets of tears over unrequited love. Entire scenes take 15 to 20 minutes. Hmm. Uh, also, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet set in modern day, the famous opening, two households, both alike in dignity. Oh, Lee Jun, I see your Taiwanese dramas and I match it with the Tamil dramas where like one argument can have 40 cuts and mm -hmm. 20 close-ups and can take 20 minutes. I mean, we talk about like, should this thing have six seasons? Is it enough? Like that, those things go on for like 45 six, six, seasons. Six years. <laughs> Um, Jun also says, for me, it's the last emperor, all the excess and debauchery of um, Aisin Jiropuyi, first as a boy emperor, shiny playboy, puppet emperor, um, but it all comes crashing down. The many versions of Hana, Yori, Dongo, boys over flowers, um, you know, be it a Taiwan, China, South Korean or Thai adaptation, the four male leads are wonderful eye candy with impressive means, living the high life. Also crazy rich Asians, starting with the SIA first class suites and all the glitzy, glamorous locations touted to be in Singapore but in reality located in Malaysia. Uh, also, Nicholas and Alexandria from 1971, showing the excess of the Romanov dynasty. They're throwing lavish balls whilst Russian peasants were starving. So, Crazy Rich Asians, OTT or not? I would say OTT. Right, interesting. I would say OTT. Not to me. Mm. Um, and, and that is because... Ooh, I'm going to make it about a girls versus boys thing. <laughs> I wonder whether it's because we're raised on a diet of sex in the city. Yeah, because right? for me, that felt oh. like the right tone for something like this to have. And it's about the same level of excess and glamour and fashion and romance that the series actually had. 
Yes. Right? And, you know, actually, if you th- there are any number of shows, right? Emily in Paris, Gossip Girl, which all have that same tone where it's hmm. portraying excess. Favourite. Yeah, favorite all, character. Yeah, all the people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they couldn't be true, you know, because the the stuff that um, I I've never seen Sex in the City. Um, so this seemed it just seemed lavish. It just seemed over the top for me. And it is, I think, um, which actually goes back to something that we should probably have addressed earlier, which is that perhaps standards are going to be different also depending on what you are Mm. used to watching. Um, We we kind of touched on it around our superhero discussion because if you haven't seen that many of them, then yeah, even like a subpar one is going to be like, whoa. Um, Mm. If we compare superhero movies now to say um, Superman from the 70s, 80s, whoa. Um, But yeah, it's going to depend on your background. So I I think a great comparison to this was when I took my mom to watch Gone Girl based on her love of mysteries. Um, you know, she loves crime crime scenes. She loves CSI. She loves like murder mysteries. Took her to watch Gone Girl and she actually couldn't deal with it because she felt that it was too much cussing and blood. Mm. So I feel like, yeah, I think different people have different thresholds for what they consider over the top. I actually can't believe we haven't spoken about David Fincher yet. Like, there are no David Fincher mentions, right? Like, he he does that thing where everything is so subtle and everything yeah. is so mm. uh, subdued. But then the the most of his movies take a sharp turn somewhere in the middle and then you're like, what is happening? Maybe that's why we can't talk about it. Maybe that's why they haven't mm. come up. Um, and, mm. and also because the divide is so hard to manage, right? It's like one second we're in amazing Amy and then the next second we're not. Mm. And and yeah. I think, you know, just trying to deal with that, that tonal shift is also hard. I mean, yeah. I could yell, what's in the box? And that's OTT. Very OTT. But we cannot contextualize it. <laughs> this is this is also the guy who produced Love, Death and Robots. True. Yes. Yeah. So True. That, that's the brain that we're dealing with. Which is very OTT. 100%. I think, in general. Um, we have Jasper saying, actually, we, so we were talking comedy earlier, right? And Jesper's list has a bunch. Uh, Shanghai Noon and Nights, Rush Hour, Anchorman, Eurovision, um, Mean Girls, White Chicks, Greatest Showman, Les Mis, Chicago, Dream Girls, West Side Story. So a lot of musicals. Um, and then Naked Gun, Airplane, National Lampoon, um, Dumb and Dumber, which is actually very OTT, mm. I would say. But we did talk about Jim Carrey. Um, let's see. We've also got Kill Bill. Ooh. We've come this far without Tarantino. Oh. Um, Conan the Barbarian, American Pie, Jackass, Zoolander, uh, Borat, Dodgeball. And then a mention of Pua Kang, which is interesting. A mm. uh, mention of SNL, Keenan and Kel. Um, and then also the Cornetto Trilogy, which I hadn't really considered. Walking Dead, Heroes and uh, Pose. I just wanted to say on that musical um, shout that Chicago is one of my favorite musicals. It's also one of my favorite movies that are also gloriously over the top. So the the Conetto trilogy was the one that um, that I that got me because it got me thinking about Baby Driver. I don't know so much about Conetto trilogy, but Baby Driver is slightly over the top, especially when the music kicks in. I think because it's more stylized, less character, right? Mm. Like like Baby Driver is very style over substance I, I i dare say i mean the story is quite simple and it's really like told with the intention of showcasing style whereas uh the cornetto trilogy has the friendships at their heart yeah. um they've got you know the simon Pecknick frostism of it all and it's just the hard indiness to of the whole yeah, thing yeah yeah it's, it's still got that kind of spaced quality which even as they got bigger uh, was retained um long long says <laughs> johnny bravo if i may <laughs> I added the sound effect, but I felt like I had to. Oh, so many cartoons I think would fit so well into this into the genre. We're back to cat dog. Like how <laughs> does that dog. exist? Yeah. I mean, honestly. Anything on Nickelodeon from the nineties. Cow and chicken. Cow and chicken. Mm. Rick and Morty. If you want to yeah. go for a newer one. Hundred percent. Actually, even um something like a Powerpuff Girls is really yeah. over the oh, top. Yes. Like Bubbles. Even the way they're drawn. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The voices. Mm-hmm. Th- there's a lot. Um, we have Ming who says, King Fury, don't forget this, please. I'm not familiar. Okay, so when I look up King Fury, um, the thing that Google is suggesting to me is Kung Fury. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, Kung Fury is, is amazing. Okay, so there we go. Um, meanwhile, we have uh, Su Yang who says, Ace Ventura, Shoot 'em Up, Sasha Baron Cohen. Ooh, Sasha Baron Cohen films like Ali G in the House, yeah. uh, Borat and Grimsby, and Zoolander. Ooh, I can't believe we haven't mentioned Sasha Baron Cohen, who right. also like 
Jim Carrey is a very very OTT performer. I think we don't think of them and we haven't mentioned like Quentin Tarantino because they are just like that's who they are. Like we don't expect them to do anything else. They are still definitely OTT. I just think that they don't fall in that radar because it's just their wiring. Which is weird, right? Because mm. I mean like he lived like a goat herder. <laughs> like like he famously did that. He he actually got into character by getting into character. He goes around for months on end as Ali G and mm-hmm. like to not think about that level of commitment as OTT is actually kind of strange. Um might be our problem. Might be a comedy blind spot. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think actually, so. we've largely not, and maybe because comedy is a genre anyway, so normal to be over the top, pratfalls. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it doesn't strike mm-hmm. you as unusual that that's that that's what they do. Like Rowan Atkinson, easily over the top. Oh, um, actually, Jasper did bring up Mr. Bean. Yeah, so 100%. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff that he does, just the body language alone is like, there's nothing normal about any of that. His face is inherently over the top, right? Like there's something yeah. about his yes. face. Yeah. Uh, Jay closes us off saying The Expendables. <laughs> oh. I guess any movie that brings together that much star power, action hero, dumb on screen. Yes. 80s action hero. Yes. 80s action Very heroes. Very specific. Mm-hmm. All right. So that is it from us. Uh, in closing, is there an OTT um, recommendation that we want to go with? Be- or can we do like a collective everything everywhere all at once? Because I think that's really like the... I think so. Right? I think we can. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's and the tempo. And it is everything. Everywhere. All at once. There we go. <laughs> we got there in the end. Um, so, thank you for listening. If you would like to um, keep your recommendations coming, you can of course WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.